Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hey guys, Thursday night, hope you're well. Marco O'Hare here from Wheeler Betting, joined as ever by the gruesome twosome, everyone's favourite gruff northerner, Tom Love, and West Country's <laughs> finest man, Will Dyer, as we look ahead to the weekend's football from home and abroad, as always. Tom, what's new? Any news for us? Lots of snow in your neck of the woods this week? Yeah, there was, yeah. Walk up to about four inches of snow the other day, just from, that came from nothing and, uh, it's all melted already, so hopefully there's not too many warthog pitches up here in Yorkshire. And yeah, it's it's been a bit of a tale of the season, well, it's the tale of this year really, so far as write, writing a lot of stuff up for games and then getting called off with an hour to go. Um, not really the most ideal, but what can you do when you live up north? I mean, <laughs> I've seen the, the weather down there. In your neck of, neck of the woods is kind of 10 degrees, tropical, <laughs> kind of freezing and grim and grey, but um, we move on. <laughs> yeah, postponements are the bane of our lives at this time mm-hmm. of year. Um, can't do anything about them, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, I know everyone likes the snow, absolutely hate it because of that. Uh, puts a lot of hard work to in the dustbin, but uh, there we go. Will? Um, tell us something we don't know about you. Uh, I always uh, roll out the fact that I grew up on a farm um, when people <laughs> ask me this question in, in big group settings. But if I, I can relate it to a bit of football, if you'd like. Go on. Um, used to basically had no friends for miles around, so I'd have to play football against my border collie up against a barn door. And... Uh, I couldn't hit the barn door because Border Collie was r- ridiculously athletic. So that's my <laughs> football football years, their formative years. Wow. Learn something every week. Will Dyer, the farm boy from the West Country. Can yeah. I call you the West Country? Wiltshire counts just about, doesn't you it? You can, yeah, yeah. The, the Swindon Town boys run out to the, the best in the West. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, Swindon, the, the magic roundabout, that's all uh, I remember from Swindon. And a couple of nice wins at the county ground in the pouring rain. But there we go. <laughs> um, right, before we get into the games, I just wanted to say a small plea, little request, really. We Love Betting has been nominated for a, a prestigious SBC award. We're all incredibly proud, quite humbled too, to be on the list alongside some of the real big hitters in the industry. We'd absolutely adore your support if possible. Uh, so, yeah, if you've enjoyed any of the content on site via the podcast we're talking about right now uh, or the Gold Members channel, we'd really love your vote. It would mean the world. There's a few prizes on offer too. If you do vote, if that's for your bag, uh, entry details can be found on our Twitter page or on the website. Uh, and thank you very much if you do get involved. Right, let's move forward. Uh, the standout Premier League game of the weekend is, of course, Liverpool against Manchester City at Anfield on Super Sunday. Liverpool losing again in midweek. They're now seven points adrift of Man City. City with the game in hand also. If you look at the title race betting, the odds are suggesting City have an 85% chance of reclaiming the title. Um, It's put a bit of a dampener on this match, but I'm still hopeful we'll see a a decent game of sorts. Uh, Liverpool, in terms of betting, five to two outsiders. I think that price is actually inflating uh, throughout Thursday, so it might be a bit bigger by the time you listen to this. Uh, 3.5 or above in decimals. City around 23 to 20 favourites. That's 2.15, I think, if my maths are correct. 
uh, and the draw is 11 to 4, a price I'm particularly interested in considering the state of play and City's record against the elite teams. Over the past 18 months or so in the Premier League, whether playing at home or away, they've not actually beaten a team uh, higher than seventh in the Premier League this season. But uh, we're interested in the guys' views, so I'm going to hand it over to Tom. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, man, it's a, it's a similar kind of vein to what I think that you'd be going down in the fact that I've, it's one of these massive ties that will get built up to the high heavens and probably fail to deliver, um, especially kind of on the goals front. Now, initially coming into this game, for me, I was trying to get under three goals on the Asian goal line. Um, it's, it's kind of been snaffled up. I think it was around 1.78. Um, yesterday before that game it's now around 1.7 and it's trending downwards so whether there's any value left in backing against goals I'm not too sure Um, but if you just look at Man City's games this season their defence has been so good they haven't had to score many goals and Guardiola's been more than happy kind of uh, leading with that approach and just doing enough really Um, it means that they can kind of conserve energy as well. I know they'll be looking at the, the busy schedule that's going to be coming up with the Champions League as well, um, also involved in, a, in the Cups as well. So that I think that he's done the right thing in not kind of going overboard, not telling his players to kind of stat pad like he used to and kind of just doing kind of what Liverpool did in, the, in their title winning campaign and just getting the job done and moving on to the next game. And yeah, I, I can understand why they're strong favourites here, but I'm not really one to get tied into narratives and um, kind of storylines and scenarios when it comes to betting. But when there's kind of a, a, a situation like this between two teams that's still going to be going for the title, they've still got genuine hopes for it. Uh, they're both top of all the performance data metrics too, so... There's, there's not that much between them and there's, there's still quite a lot to play for. I think more so in Man City's favour, they're, they're just going to want to get a result here. If they lose here, then it, it, you kind of see that narrative shift once again. And I think they'll be more than happy with a point. And that's why I can understand why you're coming in at the draw around 11-4 to 4 there, Mark. Um, completely makes sense to me. Um, I'd favour that over anything in the one by two, but I think with what we've seen the price movements for this game, I'm, I'm actually going to take Liverpool with half a goal start on the Asian handicap. You can get that around five to six on the exchange. And you mentioned they've been drifting today. I checked that um, around midday when I was doing my writing up for this. It, it might be even bigger now. I'm not too sure. Um, but if you can get 1.8 or bigger about uh, Liverpool to avoid defeat, I do think that I'll be happy taking that. It's just got to think about the the recency bias as well that might come into this. I know that Liverpool have injuries, but they've had injuries all season and they've managed to still win a lot of their home games. It's just uh, of late that they should have beat Burnley. And that Brighton game was probably the only game where they actually deserved to lose, I thought, for about four years at home. So 
yeah, you can't get too tied into that. Obviously, Man City have won, what, 13 in a row or something like that. But if, if you're going to offer Pep a point here, I think he will take it. And for that reason, to get two results on your side, for a side that are really good at home under Jurgen Klopp, um, historically, I'm, I'm more than happy to take that um, rather than opposing the goals at, uh, with the under 2.75. I'd rather take Liverpool with half a goal start. Um, it's a very slightly shorter price than that. But um, I just I just think, I'm not sure what the issue is with De Bruyne, whether he'll be back. And I just think Man City, there's a lot of people saying the title race is over now. And they were saying that after about 10 weeks into the season that the title <laughs> of it. It's rubbish. It's utter rubbish. Whenever I hear people on kind of these podcasts saying, oh, the title race is done, it's not. that. Well, Spurs were winning the league about a month ago, and now they're not even going to get in the top four. So it just goes to show, just don't write anything off at the minute. If I was looking at the, um, the outright market, I still think the value is with Liverpool. Um I think when the Champions League rolls back around, that's going to shift City's focus. If one of them centre-halves do get an injury, um, Aguero's still out, De Bruyne can't keep fit, and um, I'd be more than inclined at backing Liverpool at the price um, because they'll have players coming back, the likes of Diogo Jota and um, plenty of others, especially in the defence, and uh, I, I think that they're, they're the value still in that market. Um, obviously, Man City are favourites, and sh- they should be favourites, but it's by no means over. So, yeah, I think a win here for Liverpool would be huge, and I am very tempted by that price when it when it keeps drifting like that. I mean, it, it's almost just luring me into back Liverpool, given the home record. Got to remember as well, Liverpool haven't lost to any of the top six this season. Uh, for all everyone's kind of coming at them, and um, they do do well. They don't they avoid defeat in a lot of the games, and the last six at home against Manchester City, they've avoided defeat. So Man City take a point here. Liverpool will be going for the win. So I don't really want to back the draw for that reason because I don't think it does much for Liverpool. It does do some for Man City, but to get a backable price on Liverpool with a half a goal start on the Asian handicap. I'm actually talking myself more into that as being one of my favourite bets for the weekend. Interesting stuff. Yeah, you mentioned Liverpool's excellent record against the the big six. I think they've got the best record in the league, actually, uh, against the elite teams in the Premier League this season. So uh, it's easy to forget that they were magnificent in in beating um, West Ham and uh, Spurs not so long ago, too. So they're very capable of turning up and putting on a performance. Uh, Over to uh, Farmer Dyer, then, for his take on Liverpool City. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, I think Tom paints it quite well as well. I, I would say uh, Liverpool have only lost the XG uh, five times this season. Um, I think against Brighton, that was the only time at home uh, that they've lost it so far, um, only narrowly. But it was quite a um, strange game in the, in the, for them, I guess, in the fact that Brighton just were fearless. There were sort of multiple occasions when they had five or six men in in the Liverpool box. Um, so they kind of s- smelt blood and, and went for it and it paid off. But um, I do think as well that Liverpool have been sort of 
unlucky in these last few weeks with some of these results. Um, really strange, isn't it? This is one of those quirks of it, how you can go from, was it 67 games unbeaten and then lose two in a row at home? So <laughs> kind of just flipped their form completely. They, they've had two amazing away, away um, performances against Spurs and West Ham and then really poor at home. So um, overall, I, I, I kind of would also think at that, five to two whatever they are drifting out further um is where there is any back there is any value that's maybe where it is but i was i was on the wrong side of it against brighton because there was a big drift wasn't there with allison's news of him being out it meant they went from sort of i think they were about um shorter than shorter than two to five when the when the market opened and they went off over over one to two so fairly big drift in terms of percentages when you're betting at those um those odds but yeah. Um, just last week, I was slagging off um, Ozan Kabak, wasn't I, for Schalke in any other business. And now here he is potentially lining up at Etihad, which is quite funny. Um, so, yeah, um, that tip never, that, that Schalke-based tip never really got going. It was a bit of a poor ref appointment there. But um, one to watch in the Premier League, I believe, could be um, Kabak for, for some cards at some point. Um, and, yeah, I think... The, the key thing with this game could be the fact that um, Pep's been changing things up a little bit in in lieu of um, De Bruyne and Aguero. He's he's gone for these three centre backs now, hasn't he? And and wing backs with Zinchenko and Cancelo, um, which makes sense because they've been sort of standout performers for them. Um, so best to take advantage of using those wing backs, I guess, um, while you've got attacking options reduced um, at the moment and. Um, but whether or not that will work against Liverpool, I'm not quite sure. Like the, the last couple of games when Liverpool have played well, it's been sort of Henderson pinging balls around like Van Dijk would have done out wide to Salah. A couple of amazing goals in Dennis Bergkamp sort of style from him. And um, how City deal with that, I'm, I'm not completely sure um, how that'll go. But you can guarantee they'll they only really know one way when it's in terms of um, aggressive style going forward. So. Yeah, um, I've not been blown away by them, though, I wouldn't say. They, the interesting thing is that it's more them winning with control, actually. So maybe um, maybe they haven't been as aggressive. I've just probably gone against myself there. But they have um, they haven't had that panache lately. And like, in the last few games, have they? They've been winning with a clean sheet, not something we, we came to get used to them winning and both teams scoring all the time at Etihad over the last previous few three or four seasons under Pep. But... Um, Overall, I, I'll leave it to Tom with the with the one x two. I think there's um, maybe I'll try and do something actually that that usually would be a Tom Tom's kind of bet. I think with Michael Oliver being in uh, with the whistle, he's given over zero point five cards in in eight of his last nine Premier League outings. Um, and what I've noticed is with Liverpool, I think a few weeks back, I was pointing at how clean they were. It's kind of changed completely. They had They've um, had 13 cards in their last seven matches, which was compared to 10 cards in the 15 before that. So sort of doubled, if not tripled, the number of cards they're getting per game. Um, so I think that they're quite, with their issues that they've got at the moment, personnel-wise, I think they're quite nailed on to to pick up a card. And this being a big match um, with Oliver on those stats this season, I, I like just adding that to a bet builder. That's two to five for each team to have a card. And then I'm going to throw in a Man City goal because with that, with the Liverpool defensive issues, I can't see them keeping a clean sheet at the moment. 
Um, but also Liverpool have had four or more corners in 20 of 22 games this season. So I'm going for both teams over 0.5 cards, over 3.5 Liverpool corners and over 0.5 City goals. And that's 13 to 10 at Bet Victor. So a few like smallish things that should hopefully all come together for a better than evens price play. Um, and just a nod to Gundogan to score a penalty is slightly boosted at Bet Victor to 10 to 1. Again, I mentioned it last week. They didn't win one, but he should. It could be him or or Raheem Sterling. Um, obviously, maybe with the Sterling's ex-Liverpool player factor. Who knows? But I think that that value, especially with Oliver refing, as we've gone into how many pens he's given this season, that might be a little bit, bit too big. So that as a side play. Nice. A couple of decent views there from Will. Often those kind of uh, bet builders can be quite fun to cheer on if you've no particular interest in any other the major markets. So you can definitely tip my hat towards that. Good stuff, guys. Um, let's move on. Uh, Tom put out his regular poll on Wednesday to, to see which game you guys wanted us to preview from outside of the Premier League. have to say, absolutely tragic that you guys actually voted for Juventus and Roma over the Le Classique on Sunday night. Uh, that promises to be a savage affair in the velodrome, and I really hope the guys have got something for us on our match later in the show, fingers crossed. But uh, we'll go with the popular vote as we have to. Uh, Juventus around 3-4, to 1.75. Roma 18-5-ish to five-ish to win in Turin, both teams, of course. Still believing that they've got the opportunity to win the Scudetto this season in Syria. Uh, this game on Saturday, so back to you then, Will. What's your view? Yeah, um, side by side in the league as well at the moment, aren't they? So this is really important. Um, when they when they met back in September, there was plenty of drama. First half penalty scored for both teams, and a second half red card. And Ronaldo, even though they were down to ten, had the final say to nick it two two. Wouldn't be surprised if we have a similar amount of drama here. Um, and the ref appointment is very nice. Um, but on the surface, um, Juve are in fine form, challenging for three trophies. Um, but I would say within the team, it's a, bit, it's a bit tougher than it looks like on the surface. Ten, tenth Scudetto in a row looks very difficult, um, with given how much improvement there has been around them. And there's there's issues like left back is is it's a weak position with Frabotta at the moment, and and the centre half centre midfield sorry uh, are not really world class in in Rabiot and Bentancur. Um, and um, Ronaldo's been putting up big numbers and things and some big performances, but just not as consistently maybe as, as we're used to. So Juve, um, I'm not convinced on. And Roma, they today they announced uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini's the new club captain. Um, and uh, yeah, they've also reduced their debt by by 50 million um, over the over the Christmas period, I think. So um, and this is happening at the same time that Inter are, having some uh, potentially their finances look like they might be on the way down with the news I was reading about. So it could be a couple decent seasons ahead for the Gialarossi and um, financially they might be in a better position than some of the other clubs around them. Um, so, and they're, they're doing all right this year, aren't they? Um, I think if they get a result here, if they can avoid defeat, they are seven to two underdogs. Um, so I'm not sure, not fully convinced about that, but if they can, it's, it's been a really good first half of the season. Um, one play that might be take people's fancies could be Borja Mayoral, who's starting up front at the moment for them with Jekko out, um, and maybe Jekko sort of on in his twilight at the moment. Anyway, he's a uh, thirteen to five 
Myral to score any time at Betway. Um, but I, there's a couple other things I prefer. And um, I said to my girlfriend earlier today, is it weird that I know <laughs> Orsato's first name without looking? She obviously had no idea what I was talking about. But uh, <laughs> I think she said Porchetta. I said, uh, no. But, um, yeah, it's a bit weird that we, we know all these referees for personal details off my heart. But yeah. Um, who couldn't be absolutely captivated by a by a man that's averaging six point seven one cards per game this season, um, <laughs> defying defying that that reduction in cards per game that we're seeing in most leagues. This guy, so he's uh, he's second um, of the thirty eight refs to have officiated a game this season in Syria. Um, only Maresca ranks higher than that. Um, uh, so and he's actually quite a lot higher than his than his lifetime. So maybe he's one of these guys that is more spurred on by uh, you know player based stuff than fan based um, kind of riling up and trying to push for cards and things. So I'm keen to get on board um, with cards based upon that. And both sides are in the top ten for cards per game themselves, um, although maybe slightly more mid table for cards against them. We're looking at, we should be looking at um, over two each, sorry, over one each for sure. But both of them are averaging out like 2.5-ish for cards for and cards against a game. And and Orsato has given um, a crazy, in his last five of his last six Serie A matches, he's given three each team three plus cards. Um, and you can get 12 to five on that at BetVictor. And I know that you guys, something you've done on the Gold Channel a lot is you've looked out for these what odds markets and odds on that markets with Betfair and Paddy Power. They haven't priced it up yet, but maybe they might they might go bigger than that. But um, for now, I'll put that up as my favorite play. Um, yeah, each team three plus cards um, at 12 to five at BetVictor. Nice one. Over to you then, Tom. Juventus-Roma should be a good game. What's your angle? Yeah, it should be a good game, and I was kind of cursing everyone for um, not choosing the PSG game, but one benefit we do have here is the card markets have actually been priced up. They haven't in the PSG game yet. Um, And yeah, Will's kind of covered half of my bet here in the cards, and the fact that Osato's in charge is just a joy to hear. It's things that you just love to see, and He's been brilliant this season. Will mentioned that how many of his games he's, he's given three each. Uh, five of his last eight, he's given both sides two or more cards in his last eight games as well. So that's kind of my starting point here. Um, both teams to have over one card. It's only seven to ten, um, but I still think that that's absolutely fair, uh, given given the referee appointment. I'm actually going to chuck over one goal in the game. Uh, it gives you even money, which I think is a, a cracking price. Probably, again, one of my favourite bets of the weekend. I just think that... It, I, I can remember watching this reverse game 2-2. Will mentioned the two penalties. It's something that I looked at as well um, with Asato. He's, he's not... To say he's mad for cards is not outrageous for penalties, which is a, a bit annoying, but... Um, I could see plenty of kind of feisty challenges going in like there was that time. Five five yellows and a red, of course, in that one. Ended 2-2. I think that Juventus have improved, and I think Roma have slightly 
gone off the boil. Only only a bit. I think they were overachieving, to be fair. But um, yeah, Juventus uh, are in great form when you look at the the, the stats. Won fourteen of the last seventeen in all comps. Um, they're also scoring plenty of goals. They've scored two or more in every game. Uh, apart from that Inter one, since they lost weirdly at home against Fiorentina before Christmas, a three nil, a red card kind of um, spoiled the game for them that that time. I can remember watching that. Um, but since then, they've just been uh, swatting away everyone, scoring goals. Ronaldo in decent form, and yeah, I think the match prices are probably about fair. I think Juventus are, are a fine price, to be fair. But um, I do think Roma will score, to be fair. I think that goal, goals look a good way in here. But just looking at the over 1.5 goals, stat, it's actually landed in every single Juventus game this season in the league. So um, it's, it's always one that's worth chucking in when you're looking at Juventus games. If you don't like the price of them to win, maybe chuck in winning over one and a half goals and you get a bit bigger price because it, it lands every game. Um, it's also landed in 80% of Roma games. So, yeah, really like this angle. Um, Juventus, if we just go back to the cards as well, reel off a few stats. Juve have seen two or more cards in 75% of games, including the last seven at home as well, which is interesting. And their opponents have also seen two or more cards in 75% of games, including seven of the last eight at home. So when you're looking at Juve home games, there's been cards dished out for both sides, which is always a good thing to see. Um, both teams have seen two or more cards in six of the last seven home games for Juve 2. Roma have seen two or more cards in 80% of the games. Their opponents have seen two or more in 70% of the games. And both teams have seen two or more cards in the last four Roma away games too. So it's kind of a, a perfect marriage of um, teams to kind of pick up some cards, a decent ref appointment, and you'd expect some goals too. So over one goal in each team, over one card at evens. Um, looks like a, a really good way in here. Um, I'd also maybe have a look at the, what I like to call the classic bet, which is both teams to score. Both teams have four or more corners, and both teams have two or more cards. If you can get kind of both four to one on that, maybe that's worth a, a little tickle as well, because the cards kind of looks like a gimme, and so does the goals. And it's always a fun bet to kind of cheer on if you're watching it. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to this one. I think it should be entertaining. Um, and yeah, it's perfect appointment with Asato, who wasn't involved last week. I've not really seen his name mentioned for a while but thankfully he's back and he's back for the big game so yeah brilliant appointment and I'm fancying cards as well so very on board with what Will said and let's hope for a, a game full of shit houseery. <laughs> yeah definitely I was actually going to put people who voted for Roma Juventus over La Classique into a one week suspension from the podcast but uh, <laughs> you guys have made some really strong cases there and I'm already looking forward to the game too anything when there's going to be goals, cards and plenty of action with a great ref um, definitely box office, box office material so looking forward to that right let's move on uh, naps, next bests, long shots and everything else Starting with the latter, with Will. What's your long shot, please? Yeah, I'm going to come out from uh, left field. I hope you'll allow it. Um, it's the it's the Super Bowl this weekend, so am I 
Ooh. Am I taking? Is uh, what are we saying? It's it's the weekend preview, not the football weekend preview. So <laughs> you done me there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go All right. Cool. Just as a one-off, because we got a you know huge Sunday night ahead of us with Le Classique, followed up by by this. So um, yeah, I'm I'm no NFL expert, but I have watched every Super Bowl for about the last twenty years or so. So maybe fifteen years. Um, maybe not when I was about ten. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, I know a little bit about what I'm talking about, and uh, I, I'll, I'll go into it now, really. But yeah, Tampa are the first side. So this is uh, the Chiefs at Bucks. Um, Tampa are the first side to ever compete in a Super Bowl that's being hosted at their home stadium. Um, so as the Super Bowl moves around the states, there's, there's no one place it's played. Um, this sort of gives Tampa an unquantifiable edge, to be honest. Um, and then, obviously, the other aspect is that the Kansas City Chiefs are the defending champions. So there's there's some nice kind of um, narratives to this game. And Tom Brady takes part in his uh, 10th Super Bowl uh, for Super Bowl 55, meaning he's featured in 18% of all of them ever, which is mental. Um, a lot of that success he owes to Bill Belichick for the Patriots coach. Um, but both Brady and um, Gronkowski, who's the tight end for for the Bucks, um, what they've achieved, they owe a lot to, to Belichick, but they're, they're both kind of um, having a huge impact in Tampa. Um, Brady's pretty much a, a player manager these days at 43. He kind of marshals the game as an offensive coach in a way. Um, but his his actual coach, Bruce Arians, um, has a lot of history with being a wide receiver coach, a quarterback coach. He's, he's kind of, he... I think he won it at first when he was offensive coach at the Steelers uh, sort of 20 years ago. And even back then, he got like abuse from the fans uh, telling him that he had pretty much like made them a one dimensional team and that they had no running game, uh, even though they just gone and won the Super Bowl. So what I'm trying to get at is that Brady is amazing in there for passing yards um, and Arians, both of them, they're just they're very they don't run the ball. They, they throw the ball instead. So. Uh, and on the same side uh, for the Chiefs, well, they're not as one-dimensional, but Mahomes improvises with more short short passes than Brady would play, um, and they're not really a running-based team either. So I'm expecting a lot of passing yards. Um, and when these teams met in Week 12, they combined to throw for 807 yards um, and six touchdowns. Each team have like star wide receivers collecting those passes. Um, in Tyreek Hill and, and Mike Evans had both had uh, multiple touchdowns in that game so it's tough to imagine this being like a defensive battle at all uh, or running running kind of slow game kind of you know breaking down a lot um, so both of these players I want to get on the quarterback lines um, and essentially what I looked at with Betfair is their line is everyone has sort of five to six for over um over whatever yards for the passing for the quarterback um and but betfairs have quite a lot um more generous um so i'm going on betfairs same game multi and i'm putting uh mahomes over 329.5 yards um and brady over 296.5 yards there's just one line that you can choose on the same game multi so it will be fairly self-explanatory um and then one other play I'm going to add to that is Rob Gronkowski to receive over 31.5 yards. Um, he's 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 averaging over that this season. But interestingly as well, um, 
they've they kind of when they met before um Kansas kind of struggled against the tight ends they gave up 140 yards in total to to Gronk and to Bright um the two tight ends for for the Bucks so most of the yards some more yards than they've ever actually given up um all season and on average they allow more more yards uh, tight end yards than any other than not any other team sorry but than the most other teams so it looks like there'll be a lot of passing yards from the quarterbacks and that that bucks will probably target Gronkowski more than they normally would so if you add Brady over 296.5 yards Mahomes over 329.5 yards and Gronkowski over 31.5 receiving yards you can get uh just under five to one at Betfair, um, when the same bet is is only just over three to one at Bet Victor. So um, I I really like that play, um, and it will give you plenty of plenty of things to root on throughout the game. You know that bet's not over till it's over. So a nice little same game multi if you can be bothered to stay up till three a.m. and change sports. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not me, to be honest. Uh, I've tried so hard in the past 10, 15 years to get into NFL, but just never managed it. So didn't really have a clue what you were talking about there for a few minutes. So um, <laughs> if you're talking nonsense, send your complaints to Swindon, please. Not yeah. me or we love betting. Um, but yeah, I'll probably have a crack on it anyway, because the price is nice and sure. you sounded convincing. Um, Tom, your long shot, please. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not going to bother with the NFL on this podcast, but I am financially invested in in it i've about the books on a treble with uh, the workers for the nba and uh, juventus actually for the champions league at a big price uh, about a month or so ago uh, the books oh, were yeah. the outsiders of the four i really fancy them actually i think that they're, a, they're still a good price and um i can just see brady getting his seven rings Ariana Grande is going to be there singing seven rings as well you just know it. it's kind of scripted <laughs> i think and uh uh, yeah, I'm I'm keen on the books, so I'm, I'll have a little tickle on that. I'll try to keep awake for it. Um, never seem to manage the whole of the whole of the Super Bowl, and I don't really know what's going on either. But when you got money on it, all you got to check is the uh, scoreline and top left hand screen. Um, you're not going to be awake anyway. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. that's a good point but these seem to go on forever it's just more that it bores me to death so um yeah but i'm I'm not gonna bother tipping up nfl in in a football podcast i don't know what will's all right it's a one-off boys i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) but i i am gonna um be a little bit biased and i actually take bradford city to beat exeter and both teams to score which is 11-2 with Sport Nation. It's also 11-2 with Skybet, who, who boosts these out every week, as I've mentioned before. And, and I try and come at any Bradford City-based bet um, with, with a clear conscience and try and uh, take any bias out of it. I honestly do. I've backed against us quite a lot in the last couple of years to great success, actually. Um, but we're, we're actually... What's that? And on this podcast, you've opposed them successfully. Yeah, yeah. Carlisle and Oldham are back back both of them this season against us. But it's such a different team now. Um, Since McCall's left, um, we're actually unbeaten in eight, which is kind of shows how bad he was doing, to be honest, which is quite hard for me to say with him being a, a big Bradford legend and 
really, it, it's just going back to basics. I think he was just trying to overcomplicate it. He went to kind of a five at the back. And honestly, I think players in League Two, they're in League Two for a reason. And it's because they probably find it quite hard to pick up these kind of formations. Teams that kind of go with a pretty simple approach tend to do best. Remember when we had Phil Parkinson as manager, just straight up 4-4-2. Everyone knew, knew the job. Um, played players who played to each other's strengths, and that, that's what we're looking to do now. Um, it's not quite a 4-4-2. It's a 4-2-3-1, but the fact that it's a, a flat-back four has helped. Uh, the two centre-halves, Powdy and Anthony O'Connor, have just looked really good. Um, but they've made a couple of kind of odd errors um, at the, in the back, at the back. I mean, South End Connorwood, who is one of our best players, I think, but defensively can can kind of make a few mistakes, and he slipped up to allow South End through. Uh, we ended up winning that three-one. Uh, we also gave away a pen. O'Connor, Anthony O'Connor, gave away a pen against Barrow. Uh, which meant that they scored as well, but we won both of those games. So I'm hoping for something similar here with a winning both teams to score at a really big price. And I just think that what we've done in January has been excellent. The fans are buzzing now after kind of being in the mire. If you go back a month, a month and a half, it was toxic around the club. It's incredible how it can turn into such a positive. And you've got to give massive credit to... Uh, the caretakers, Mark Truman and Connor Sellers, have been brilliant. And they're just, I think, because they're quite young uh, managers, they're coming with a fresh impetus. They're more bothered about tactics and analysis. They put the effort in. They're not just talking about work rate and t- determination and all this rubbish. Everyone should have that in League Two. Uh, they're playing for their kind of careers and They've just added nice little tweaks and it's brought out the best in a lot of our players. And we, Bringing in Danny Rowe from uh, Oldham was a terrific move um, for less than 50k as well. is just a, a steal. He's been unbelievable, I think, since he's come in. It, we've not really had a player at Bradford who just gets the ball and shoots. I think he's averaging over five shots a game since he's come to the club. Uh, two goals as well. And a lot of his shots are on target, whether they be from uh, five yards out or 40 yards out. He seems to shoot from everywhere, but um, his link play is brilliant as well, bringing the likes of Gareth Evans into the game, who's now getting up to fitness, uh, who's done it in League One uh, for the last couple of years with Portsmouth. Uh, Callum Cook's been brilliant in midfield, breaking through, um, kind of getting into the box. And it's a really good side. I honestly believe that, but we've just not been managed properly. The call wasn't helped by a lot of injuries too, and they didn't get January. Uh, we've brought in the likes of Andy Cook as well, Jordan Stevens on loan from Leeds, who's got a bit of pace about him apparently. I've not seen much of him yet. And Vernon, uh, Charles Vernon, who was at Grimsby on loan from Burton. Uh, was excellent against us last season. So it was actually McCall's first game back um, at Valley Parade. Um, Vernon was was great that day. He looks like a really good direct kind of threat. And the, there was a there's been a lot of kind of change upstairs at Bradford. The the, the likes of Edin Rahic has gone. It was a real kind of 
bleak point in the history of City and um, Ryan Sparks has come in as the uh, uh, the chief executive now and he's made some really sensible decisions. Again, it, it's kind of investing in younger people who are kind of more up to date with what's going on in the football world and it's working really well. So I think we've got more than enough actually to actually get a win at Exeter. I appreciate that Exeter have been very good on the data this season. But we've played him a bit, and Matty Taylor's been their manager um, the last couple of years now, and I think they're a bit of a soft touch. Whenever they come up against us, they play nice football, but defensively they always like look gettable to me. Um, I know there was some rumours over Ryan Bowman maybe leaving to Burton. Not sure if that's still something that might be going around his head. Nicky Laws left. Um, he used to play for Bradford. He's ended up in Canada. Um, got like a coaching job out there and they kind of tailed off a little bit I know they've got a winner at Stevenage but I really don't think there's much in this league in terms of quality and we shouldn't be 11-2 to to win on both teams to score here 11-4 to just for the win appealed as well um, but I, I think we can go there and get a win and I actually backed us for the top seven a couple of weeks ago and that keeps coming in every week so watch out for the mighty Bantams we're going up <laughs> Love the confidence there, Tom. Um, let's move on to the next best. I'll stay with you, actually, far away. Yeah, I'm going to um, uh, go back into Italy. It's a team that I've kind of backed quite a bit. Um, I think I had them as my next best last week. Uh, it might have been the week before, I can't remember. It's Lazio. They're at home to Cagliari on Sunday night, the, the work game. Um, so this is kind of... One that you probably won't be watching when you'll be watching the Le Classique, but I do think there's a bet to be had, and it's Lazio to score over one goal and Lazio to have over one card. Pays five to four on the bet builder. I think that's very nice. Um, if you, There's not really much I can add to the goal stats that I put out last week, but uh, Lazio have scored two or more goals in 60% of games. Lots of the home games have worked. They're scoring multiple times. Um, they've kind of got a fully fit squad too. And if you look at Cagliari's data, it's pretty shambolic. I mean, defensively anyway, they do give it a go when they when they go forward. But at the back, they've really struggled. Um, they're actually ranked bottom for XG ratio, uh, 35%, which is a, a, a shambles really, conceding 1.9 XG per game. I think that's probably even worse when they're on the road. Um, and they're, they're also bottom for expected points. So it's, it's not a good time to be a Cagliari fan, I don't think. And yeah, Lazio, they, these are the games that they win under Inzaghi. Uh, they score plenty, but it, it's incredible how many of their games they pick up two or more cards, especially at the Olympico. Um just have a look through their, their data at home. It's one I mentioned uh, against Sassuolo. Picked up two cards again. And Cagliari um, do do kind of get a, f- a few cards from their opponents too. So, yeah, we've got a half-decent referee here. I think that the... Um, I've, I've also backed another card-based angle in the, in the Telegram group, um, kind of getting Lazio cards on side been chipped in a little bit but I think that this presents another interesting angle so yeah I'm going to take Lazio uh, to score over one goal 
and to have over one card, it's five to four. I'd probably have that more at even money. Great stuff, Tom. I always enjoy a little punt in Syria on the goals and cards. Do have to pull you up, though. Some fantastic pronunciation over the past couple of weeks. However, it's Cagliari, not Cagliari. There's a, there's a silent G. So Cagliari, going forward, please. Uh, or you'll uh, get a yellow card for that. All right. <laughs> Will, your next best. Never a good time to be a Sardinian anyway, mate. <laughs> um, Very good. Yeah. Sorry? Saying that's what I was meant to say. I was wondering what kind of island it was on. Sardinia is correct. Well done, Will. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm going to go leverage a bit of uh, lower league stuff like Tom has as well, actually. Um, Wigan lost their, their first of the back-to-back relegation six-pointers to uh, to Swindon on Tuesday night. Um, even with a man advantage for the last half an hour, they couldn't make it count. Didn't even hit the target all game. Um and now they face uh, a bit of a wounded Wimbledon. Uh, Glenn Hodges was sacked um, last week. Um, uh, he's hit. He hit just a 29% win ratio in two years with the Dons. But the recent form seems a lot more like bad luck um, to me rather than poor tactics or sort of relegation level quality in the squad. Um, they've lost eight of the last 10, which is the worst form in the division. But seven of those eight defeats were against sides in the top 10. So, you know, they've played against the likes of Doncaster, Pompey, Sunderland, uh, Lincoln, Oxford, who are in absolutely a great form. Um, I think Alexa just heard me say something there and just chimed in for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't like Sunderland. Um, Yeah, so um, not not um not too worried about them and i think it's just you know one of these reactionary things that happens with with sacking managers expecting a, a new manager bounce which i'm going to talk about in the in the nap as well in a minute but um they've been linked with um the chelsea ladies coach emma hayes although it looks like that won't happen but that would have been huge for huge that uh, huge for them and huge for football really i guess um not sure what will happen though in terms of a new new personnel there but as for for wigan their bottom for XG ratio, just 36%. To not even manage a shot on target against Swindon, who are second bottom for that metric of 37%. It's not a good look, um, especially since we um, lost two of our best players um, before that game in Matt Smith going back um, to Arsenal. Presumably because Arsenal didn't want to, they wanted to save him from the absolute nightmare that he's experiencing <laughs> for a young professional. <laughs> and then uh, Dialang Jayasimi going to... Charlton. So we lost two great players and we brought in a lot of new faces as well, but I, I don't think it was good good from Wigan. Um, and Wimbledon actually, on the other hand, they sit 17th for XG ratio at 44% um, and the expected points table would have them 14th on 30 points. Instead, they're 22nd on 22 points. So I think they're a little bit unlucky. Should be heavier favourites than they are. They're 6-4 to four and Wigan are 17-10. to 10. I'd probably have uh, Wimbledon more like six to five, um, and and Wigan maybe two to one. So I'll take the um, plus zero Asian handicap at Bet Victor, so the draw no bet market basically with a slightly bigger odds um, at just bigger than five to six on on Wimbledon uh, draw no bet basically with Bet Victor. Cool. Will is giving the Wombles the thumbs up for the weekend's game against Wigan. Now let's move on to the naps of the weekend, your best bet of the weekend. Tom, you can go first. 
Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to back a team that um, I've been impressed with. I've mentioned them on the pod of late as well, and that's Mets um, in in France. They're a team that I've enjoyed watching. Actually, I think that they've been very solid all around the pitch. I, I can't really find a, a particular weak spot of theirs, and I actually cannot believe their price away at San Etienne. Uh, they were around eleven to four when I was looking earlier which is disrespectful. Um, I actually thought this would be a pick of a game. So whenever I see something like this, I, it kind of blows my head off because I'm usually <laughs> kind of back myself to get the prices right before they go live or before I look at them. But yeah, Mets are, are a huge price and I can't really understand why. Um, and we can actually back them with a half a goal start on the Asian handicap at 1.87 with Bet365. That's going to be my nap. So it's basically Mets to avoid defeat. That makes a lot of appeal. I think that'll go off more like 1.7. I think it should be around 1.6 because Mets, I I thought, well, there must be some kind of data discrepancy here. Um, But I'm looking at the data and Mets actually rank slightly better than Sanity. TM and XG ratio. Uh, so uh, with, with no fans in the Jeffrey Gisha, I think that you've got to be looking at Mets seriously. Um, and to get two results on side at a backable price it is a no-brainer in my eyes. Um, they've been in great form of late. I don't think they've lost in the last eight. Um, uh, I know that we put them up with a quarter goal start away at Brest. 142 in that one in the end. Um, probably got a little bit lucky, but they did showcase the threats that they do have. And then I can remember I was speaking to you midweek, Mark, and thinking they were a player on the draw no bet against Montpellier. And they won that one 1 0 as well. So they are doing things by fine margins now and again, but they've won at, they've won at Lyon as well. Um, they're no mugs at all. And the top half of this XG ratio around a 50% share, which is better than a lot of the other rest uh, of the team in in League One. And I think that the price is uh, outrageous because Saint-Étienne, I know we touched on them against Lyon, and I was thinking they could make it pretty hard for them because they're just going to defend, and they ended up losing 5-0. So I don't want to go too much into that, but I think that they are massively out of form. They couldn't even beat... Um, uh, Mr. Dominic uh, and his side Nantes at home midweek, which is a kind of says it all. And yeah, they're just not they're not convincing me going forward all season. And I, I thought that I watched the game actually against Nice away. Nice, another team that are all over the place at the minute. San Etienne actually won that 1-0 in the 88th minute with their only shot on target and it hit the guy and went in. <laughs> so they've been extremely lucky. Um, defensively, Debushi went off injured, um, the right back. Uh, they've just not got any of the three centre-halves that they had last year for Fana, Saliba or Pano. Uh, they're all gone. They're just a team that I want to get against and um, I'm going to be playing Mets to win as well, uh, but to get a um, double chance pretty much to win our draw at 1.87, that's one of my strongest naps of the season. 
great to hear because we haven't actually crossed paths on this yet for the weekend, Tom. And I've written a comment, a column, and uh, spoken elsewhere and put up exactly the same bet as one of my bets of the weekend, actually. Oh. And I've got a couple of stats as well to chuck into the mix oh, to nice. add further kudos to the bet. Um, Mets have only been beaten in three of their last 20 league games. They've lost just once in 17 against teams below them. Uh, the only defeats that they've had away from home came at PSG, Lille and Wren, all in the top echelons of the league, if you like. Um, and then, yeah, you look at St Etienne, they're averaging fewer than a goal a game so far this season. They've won just three times in the last 20 league games. Uh, Mets are one of the best defences in the league, superbly set up, very difficult to beat. But as you say, there's a balance now between the team. Antonetti's got a, a bit of attacking flair going forward, so they are capable of scoring goals too. So it can be very difficult, I think, for St Etienne. And I wholeheartedly agree with that one. So nice to see you're on the same page. Um, Will, your nap of the weekend, please. Yeah, sounds, sounds a good bet, guys. Um, I'm going to go for the AFC double after Wimbledon with the next best and I'm um, looking at AFC Bournemouth for the nap, um, who have, yeah, hit some rough form as well, um, but haven't exactly deserved the four defeats, really, on the bounce that has cost uh, Jason Tindall his job. Um, looking at those four games, if you add the XG, combine it, they, they just about shaded. Uh, they combined a 6.31 goals for expected across those fixtures to 6.25 goals against. So even though it was against some of the divisions, sort of lesser lights, it feels a bit of a rash result based upon on variance more than anything. And the Jordan Rhodes late winner for the, for the Owls um, kind of might, if that hadn't gone in, maybe the axe might not have swung. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a lot of change there. And Jonathan Woodgate came in as well earlier this week as first team coach. Um, replacing Graham Jones, who'd left for Newcastle last week. Uh, Josh King's out, Ben Pearson and Shane Long are in. So some some change at Bournemouth. But um, I kind of, I mean, I was reading about um, the local Solent news and um, the kind of radio commentator was saying that this will, some some will say this is, yeah, this push of pushing a panic button um after one bad month and then others will point out that really Bournemouth need to get back in the Premier League now if they're going to get back with the parachute payment stuff so um but you know they've only only two teams have, have scored more than Bournemouth um this season so sacking your manager when you're sixth as well seems seems too much and if it's, it could turn out that Tyndall could have turned it around you know anyway um and it's something I I was reading about the 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 new manager bounce or the sort of the myth that people talk about and um this this consultancy called the 21st club analyzed the points earned by teams in the big five european leagues in eight games before and after sacking a manager um and in eight games before a manager leaves that the team averages 0.8 points per game and in the eight subsequent subsequent matches they average 1.2 points per game um, a clear improvement, but if you look at expected goals, um, the quality and quantity of chances conceded before and after are exactly the same. And at basically, they should have should have won 1.2 uh, points per game before being sacked, and won 1.2 after they've been sacked and someone else has come in. So, reality is a lot of the time, um, manager change or manager doesn't actually have a huge amount of impact. There's, there are obviously intangible things, and this new manager bounce where maybe it's it impacts players' mindsets. They're fighting for places because they're not guaranteed to start with a new guy. And 
maybe some slight tactical changes, but really it's sort of a regression to the mean. Um, and from a betting perspective, I guess then I'm I'm kind of going off Bournemouth's underlying data rather than the fact that they've sacked their manager here because um, I'm kind of saying that I don't really believe in that as well. Um, but if you look at the underlying data, it would suggest Bournemouth um, probably win a low-scoring game here with um, Birmingham have got the lowest goals per game in the league away from home. Um, only three of their 13 away games have gone over 2.5 goals. Um, they've, yeah, like I said, they've conceded the least goals away in the league, which is nuts considering they're like right down struggling. Um, uh, yeah, and um, but despite that, though, really, they they should have conceded the fourth most in the division. So it's quite <laughs> crazy that they're managing that away from home for that metric. Um, but if you look overall, it's it's completely different, really. And scoring goals has been an issue for, for, for the Blues. Um, they were trying to bring in Kevin Nisbet from from Hibs, and that has fallen through. Um, so it's years and years of precarious sort of relegation propositions for them, and maybe this might be the year. Um, and I'm just looking at Bournemouth, four of their seven home wins um, have had under 2.5 goals. Um, you could could look at Bournemouth to win an under 2.5. It's 11 to 4. Obviously, that's not really NAP material. So I'm just going to add that little, add get the 2-1 and 3-0 score lines on side um, and go for Bournemouth to win an under 3.5 goals at 5 to 4 with Labrooks. Nicely done. Hopefully a good start to the post-Jason Tindall era for Bournemouth this weekend at home to a Birmingham side that would bore the pants off even the hardest-nosed football fan this season under Ita Karanka. But uh, OK, I think we've covered all the, the main topics now. I just need to let the floor leave the floor open to you guys to see if there's anything you've not been able to mention which you want to share with the listeners. So, um, Tom, anything you haven't said that you want to get off your chest? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of players in France again. I've been keeping a very keen eye on France uh, this year. It's, it's something that I've enjoyed doing, actually. And a team that I'm, I've been quite keen on um, against a team that I've not been keen on of late as uh, Bordeaux got a breast. Um, you can actually get Bordeaux plus there on the age and handicap, um, effectively drawn or bet. Uh, odds against and I think that that's quite a nice player um, Brest just in awful form at the minute and I appreciate that Bordeaux have actually lost the last two games they didn't deserve to lose against Lyon did lose against Lille but they kept that tight once the first goal went in for Lille Bordeaux did press they ended up losing 3-0 three, three in that but um, Brest just don't look very good at the back to me it's conceded two against Strasbourg, two against Metz, three against PSG, two against Ran as well. So uh, they also lost against Ram. Um, so they've been in awful form, um, lost five of the last um, six, I think it is, which Bordeaux were in decent form before that Leon defeat. Um, I expect them to kind of bounce back here, and I think that they will score. Um, they're a team that I've been impressed with under Gassier and since he's kind of got his ideas across and Brest just aren't winning games. So if you can get Bordeaux with the insurance of the draw, um, giving you stake back, I think that that's quite a quite a nice way in. And just one other, one other player actually that I'm keeping my eye on um, for Montpellier. They're at home against Dijon and I've 
I don't think this guy's going to start, which is a bit of a blow, but um, there's a couple of markets to maybe look into. It's a young lad called Elie Wahi. He's a striker. Um, he came on against Lons, uh the last home game, scored a terrific overhead kick. He actually had four shots in about 25 minutes when he came on there. He's also scored um, a couple of weeks ago as well. If he manages to get a start for an out-of-form Montpellier, I think that he's a, a good price at 11-5 to five to score any time with Betfair. And Paddy Power is around 6-5 to five in some places. Um, it's not quite gone to plan for um, Laborde and Andy Delors up front for Montpellier. And this guy's kind of come in and, and give him something different up front. He, he got into some really good positions against Lons. Um, and he's had a shot in all but one of the games that he's come on and um, made an impact in. So if he doesn't start, maybe check him in play or back him to score last, which is 6-1 to one with Paddy Power. Um, couldn't put anyone off that because, yeah, he's a player that I, I'm really excited by and one that's going to probably come more into the fray next season for Montpellier. But... Um, Definitely one to watch. That's Elie Wahi for um, Montpellier against Dijon. Tremendous. Enjoyed listening to that, Tom. Uh, over to you then, Will. Anything you've not mentioned yet which you want to share? Yeah, just quickly with the... I do I do have something kind of for the Marseille PSG, the Le Classique. Um, um, yeah, luck, lucky listeners, or maybe they've just bailed us out knowing that a lot of prices wouldn't be up on it considering it's 8pm uh, <laughs> Sunday game. But yeah, five reds in that reverse game wasn't there and uh, Benoit Bastien is uh, fourth highest for cards per game lifetime of, of the of the league on refs. Um, actually, averaging higher this season as well than than his lifetime at 4.54 cards per game. So he's a bucking that bucking that trend like the rest of France is as well. Um, and yeah, um, basically the only bookie that has a lineup is Pinnacle. So expect everyone to follow them. Um, and it's uh, they go one to two for over four bookings, which means I reckon if you if you try and think about what that'll be around evens, it'd probably be about um, 4.6, 4.7 cards, the line uh, for at even money. So um, let's put up another mythical <laughs> over 4.5 cards at, um, at evens uh, somewhere. Um, and it might, might be a little bit shorter. Um, and then uh, quickly as well, Coventry, Watford, Coventry have conceded the most pens in the league at uh, nine, and Watford have been awarded the most pens in the league eight. And Graham Scott is actually quite a decent ref for pens in league football, at least. He averages 0.26 pens per game um, across the Championship and Premier League. Uh, yeah, and Premier League. Um, and Carver struggling. Watford should get plenty of chances around the box, I expect. And they're seven to two to take a penalty with Skybet. So that's that's me for AOB. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. Sorry, uh, haven't got the the Twitter handle to hand, but someone did say something along the lines of we're all back in Alvaro and Neymar to be carded in the La Classique on Sunday night, aren't we? And I think all three of us probably nodded and said, uh, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. If the two players start after the historic uh, encounters between the two already this season, of course, things rumbled on into the the trophy, the champion uh, in January uh, when PSG won. Neymar came off the field or came on the field. I think he only played 20, 25 minutes, was fouled more than any other PSG player in that game. And three of the four <laughs> fouls against him 
were by Alvaro, who picked up a card for doing so. Uh, plenty mm -hmm. of spats kind of carried on. Then onto social media afterwards, it all got very silly. But uh, yeah, that's one to watch, of course, on Sunday night. It should be a fantastic game. Right. Uh, thanks, guys. And thanks also to you guys, the listeners, too. Um, as always, your support on social media means a huge amount. Makes the work these guys put in researching and sharing on the podcast all the more worthwhile. Hope you're all doing OK in lockdown. Of course, our DMs are always open if needs be. But we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks again to the stars of the show, Mr. Tom Love. Cheers, mate. And thanks, of course, to Mr. Will Dyer. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Good stuff. This has been the Wheel of Betting Weekend Preview Podcast. Chat soon. <laughs>